Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Good morning. Good morning. Who's feeling awake this morning? Feeling awake at home in bed as you're eating your toast while you're watching brekkie? Uh, has anyone done that during church before? No confessions right now. Okay. All right. Oh, I hear one. I hear two. <laughs> Fantastic. Good morning. It's great to, it is, it is so good to be in the room with you this morning. Um, I might elaborate that on that in just a moment, but uh, it's so good to be together. Uh, we're one church in many locations around the town this morning for people in isolation and people in the first service, second service, but we're one body in Christ, as Bell said last week in communion. Um, I just want to pray before we open God's word together this morning. Thank you, God. Well, God, we just thank you so much that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, God, that your power is, is the same. God, your power to move in our lives today is the same as it was for Moses and, and Joseph and for, for in, through Jesus and in the life of Paul. Lord, your spirit is here with us today. And God, I just pray that by your spirit, you would move in our hearts today, God, that you would bring encouragement, that God, you would bring equipping God for your people this morning. Lord, I just ask that you would use this time, Lord, that you would use, use me, Lord. We just thank you for your word, that your word would speak powerfully, Lord, into our hearts and our souls, Lord, this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to open up straight to the word of God in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we're going to read together. Encourage you to bring your Bible along to church if you, if you can. Um, it's great to have your Bible there. You can circle things, underline things. And uh, we're going to read from 1 Samuel 13, and verse 1 to verse 14. For those of you who take notes, because I've been told that some of you put verse 1, dot, 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 because you never say which verse you're going to read to, Andrew. So 1 to 14, there you go. Saul was 30 years old when he became king. How would you like to become the king at 30 years old? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd like that. Anyway, Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 42 years. You know, as I think about Saul sometimes, I kind of think, you know, they, they appointed Saul, he was king, but then he stuffed up, then David became king. And I sort of think, yeah, maybe he had five years. Like, in my head, I just kind of shortened his reign significantly. But he reigned for 42 years. Do you, is anyone like, oh, wow. That's a significant amount of time. Anyone done something for 42 years? Done the same job, 42 years? It's like, that's a decent, that's a decent career. Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel. So I was just going to say too, this is actually only the second or third chapter after Saul's anointed as king that we're reading here. Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel. The other 1,000 went with Saul's son, Jonathan, to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of Philistines at Geba. The news spread quickly among the Philistines. So Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land, saying, Hebrews, hear this, rise up in revolt. 
All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Geba, and the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. So the entire Israelite army was summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. Got a feeling that's an awful lot. Can you imagine like the scene of them all coming together? They camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. I love that phrase, what a tight spot we're in. Hmm. And because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Do you hear the fear amongst the people of Israel? Meanwhile, Saul stayed in Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finished with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would, and the Philistines at Michmash were ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. I just want to pause on that for a moment and point out, you know, I think we, we know the story that, that Saul stuffs up and David becomes king, and we kind of go, well, Saul just was never going to get there, was he? But here we hear, actually, if he'd obeyed God, God would have established his kingdom, his family, as rulers of the, of the people of Israel forever. I think, Wow. That's pretty significant. It wasn't like he, he never had a chance. But now your kingdom must end, it says in verse 14. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You know, a couple of chapters later, we, we read that Samuel goes to the family of Jesse and he calls out the sons and then he finally calls out the youngest son who's still out looking after the sheep and Samuel anoints David to be the future king of Israel. And if you haven't read it, I encourage you to go and read the book of Samuel. It's an awesome story of the people of God and how God moved. But can I be really honest about this passage that we're looking at? I feel a bit sorry for Saul. Does anyone feel a little bit sorry for Saul? Because, you know I mean, I know I have struggled at times to wait for God. There's been things happening in my life and situations happen and I'm, and I'm struggling to, to, to wait for God to do what I know he's promised to do in my life. There's been times in my life where I have not fully trusted God as I know I should have trusted God. And you know what? A bit later in 2 Samuel 24, we read that David... 
the very one who becomes king and is called the man after God's own heart, he makes an altar to God and he makes sacrifices on the altar to God himself too. But you know what the big difference is? The big difference between Saul's offering and David's offering, David was commanded by the prophet of God to make the offering. And Saul had been commanded not to make the offering, that it was not right for him, that he was to wait for Samuel. The big issue was obedience. And as we hear that, I want you to hear that even if you are disobedient, even if we are unfaithful, it says he remains faithful. But Saul lost the privilege. He lost the the opportunity to be used as a leader amongst God's people. God didn't disown him, but he lost the opportunity. And if you've disobeyed, if you've failed, don't feel that God's disowned you. But sometimes we miss out on the opportunities. Now, if I'm, I just want to pause there for a moment. We'll come back to that in a moment. But I just want to share a little bit about our last 10 days as a family and for, for me personally. I want to be really honest and say the last 10 days has been a, a bit of a struggle for me personally. It's been a, a difficult 10 days. You know, I think we got back from long service leave last year and I think a lot of you were kind of going through uh, COVID fatigue and we got back and we were kind of like, woo, life is good. And I was kind of feeling great and got through Christmas and then we had two weeks of isolation through January before school had even gone back and it's like, yeah, this is all right. But then finally, uh, early, our uh, second day of school, uh, one of the kids got sick, Caleb got sick and then he tested positive for COVID and it's back into isolation, trying to work from home. And anyone who's tried to work at home with kids, six kids in particular, <laughs> while you're also having building renovations done and your house is kind of in turmoil, <laughs> it's a bit of a strain. And then on top of that, I got sick and a few of the other kids got sick. And you know, it's the kind of sick where you've got to run quickly because you're going to be sick. <laughs> And I just felt absolutely shocking for a few days there. And uh, I was supposed to be going to Melbourne Monday, Tuesday for some meetings down there. I was really looking forward to those meetings and uh, working through some things. And, and, I, and I had to join them on Zoom. And everyone loves doing Zoom instead of real life in-person meetings, don't they? And I was still feeling shocking by Tuesday, Wednesday. And on top of all the, the fun of it, I'd been sick and I'm thinking, awesome, well, well, I've had COVID, done that, got over that. But I did four tests over the week and everyone came back negative. I'm like, I still haven't dealt with this thing. <laughs> I was just feeling rotten and just tired of it all. But you know what? We all go through struggles. We all go through down times, hard times. We all go through times of waiting. We all go through it. Saul went through it. David goes through it. We go through it. And if you haven't gone through it yet, you will. (laughs) And sometimes the waiting is a few days. Sometimes the waiting is a few weeks. Sometimes it's months. And sometimes it's years. But we will all go through times of waiting. Now, I've been talking with different ones of you over the last six months and I've, I've heard from you the, the, the struggles, the discouragements, the, the struggle to feel close to God through some of the situations and struggles that you've been going through. And to be honest, before this last 10 days came up for us personally, I'd been reading about and thinking about some of these things and 
You know, it's always, you've got to be careful what you preach on, because God allows you to taste and experience. Um, but I've been reading about some, some of the seasons of dryness that we go through, the loneliness, the feeling of distance from God that we go through as people at times. And A.W. Tozer, the famous American preacher, talked about the ministry of the night, the darkness that we go through sometimes, and the darkness actually we are ministered to even as we go through trying to minister out of the darkness ourselves sometimes. You know, Spurgeon went through big periods of time of deep depression, but he just continued to preach the Word of God and declare what is true and right. Other preachers and pastors have talked about the dark night of the soul, the winter of the heart. And I just want to point out that if you feel like you're going through something, don't feel like, I mustn't be a good enough Christian, I mustn't be enough a faith person. Who was it that God had been praising for his faith that then through went through the trial? It was Job, the man who God said was above reproach. This man was a great man of faith and a great man, but he went through that season of darkness. As we're going to see, David certainly went through his own seasons of it too. But just before we look at these things and as we look at David's life, I want to point out why I feel like we need to look at this today. You know, two weeks ago, we started a new series looking at our, our purpose in life. We're called, What on Earth Am I Here For? And we kind of based it very loosely around the five values out of the purpose-driven life from Rick Warren. As we're talking about what on earth am I here for, as we're preparing for this series, I just had this, this sense that as we go through the struggles we face as people sometimes, I just felt like God was pointing out to me and I was realizing how hard it is to fully hear, to really understand and grasp our purpose in life when it feels like God is a million miles away. And maybe you've been feeling like God is a million miles away to you. Maybe it feels like he's not there. It feels like he's not listening. Maybe if you're even wondering, does God even care about me anymore? It can be really, really hard to really hear and absorb and get excited about God's purpose for our life. And this morning my prayer is that we will see that no matter what season we're going through, that we will see the, the different ways that we can deal with those seasons of the night, those dark nights of the soul. And that we will hear, whether we're going through that season or we're in an up season and it's going great, we'll hear and we'll think about, we'll hear God's heart for us. And even understand his purpose for us as we go through those things. As we look at Saul and David and how they dealt in the waiting. But before we look at Saul and David a bit more, I want to turn to John chapter 14 and listen to the words of Jesus. And uh, if you've been reading along in the, the CFC Bible reading plan, uh, you would have read this passage. And I read it the other day and I sort of thought, wow, this is, this is a great passage that we can look at this morning. John 14, verse 15 to 31. For those taking notes, you can write down dash 31. Chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus speaking. He says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit 
who leads into all truth and the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the whole, to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. Remember what I told you. I am going away. But I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen, so when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going." Fast forward just a few days after Jesus speaks these words and Jesus has been crucified, taken away from them. Then he comes alive again. But then he ascends up into the heaven and he's gone again. And the disciples, they're, they're hiding in the upper room. And if you haven't read the story, if you don't know those, the events, have a read of Acts chapter 1 and 2. Actually, in fact, read the whole book of Acts. It's an awesome story of the, the church of Jesus Christ growing, expanding. The disciples, they're, they're afraid. They are waiting. They're hiding. They're confused. They're afraid. You know, the, the reason Jesus came, why he endured it all, the disciples might have been thinking, why has he left us? But the reason he went through it all was not just so that, that we could be forgiven and go to heaven. The reason Jesus went through the cross, the reason Jesus was, gave his life on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin was so that we could be washed clean, that we could be made righteous in the eyes of God and that he could make his home in us that we could become the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we could become his dwelling place, that we could do life with him every single day. He doesn't just die for us so that we can go to heaven and one day be with him, but the Holy Spirit could come and make his home within us. I don't know if we grasp how amazing and extraordinary that is. I don't think we can. Church, we need to understand God still loves us in the waiting. God still loves you 
in the waiting. I love what Sam Chester said last week. For those of you who are here or watching online, Sam Chester said last week, uh, I'm not sure if it's up there or not, delay, doubts and discouragement do not mean God's denial. Delay, discouragement and doubts don't mean God's denial. Maybe you're in the season of delay where you're saying, God, you've said this is going to happen, but it still hasn't happened. It's been weeks, it's been months, it's been years. Maybe that's causing doubts in your own heart. Maybe that's causing discouragement in your own life. But our discouragement, our doubt doesn't mean God's denial. Now, our feelings don't change God's reality. Praise God for that. <laughs> you know, the human heart is desperately wicked. It is deceitful above all, all, above all things. Our feelings don't change God's reality. God's Word says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And maybe there's a bit of delay there sometimes, but it doesn't mean God's denial. He will never deny His Word. He will never deny His people. Now, I want to turn across to, to David. I want us to have a, have a listen to these faith-filled words of this mighty man of God, the man after God's own heart, King David, the mighty David. Have a listen to these words of faith in Psalm 113. Uh, sorry, Psalm 13. I'm just going to turn there. He says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me. In other words, David feels like God has turned away. He's saying, God, turn back and answer me. Turn and answer me. O oh Lord, my God, restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. What if you've ever felt like that? Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. And then we come to the point that I just love in this psalm. And David says, but. I just have this sense that David's kind of been sprawled out on his knees before God. And God is just crying out, saying, God, what's the deal? And I feel like David's just being honest in his anger. David's being honest in his, in his agony. He's pouring out his heart before God. I think there's probably tears and anger. And then we come to verse 5 and he says, but, and we have this pivot. We all love the word pivot, don't we? But I trust in your unfailing love. See, see like this wave of, of of remembering who God is sweeping over David. This wave of, of peace and of turning from, from anger to humility in David's heart as he says these words to God. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Now, David's situation hadn't changed halfway through the psalm, but David pours out his heart and gets to the point he says, you know what, God, I'm sorry. You are the one who's rescued me. You are my God. 
You are the only hope I have and my trust is in you. I love reading the Psalms of David continually crying out to God and then remembering again who his God is and just beginning to praise him again. Church, in seasons of darkness, in discouragement, in pain, in hopelessness, in seasons that we go through, the godly cry out to him. If we want to be the people of God, if we want to live as followers of Christ, we will still go through seasons of discouragement. We still will go through seasons of darkness. But the godly cry out to him in those seasons. Anyone who doesn't know the story of David, David knew the pain of waiting. He knew the pain of the struggle of life. After being anointed to be king over all Israel, Saul had turned against David and, and time and time again we see that Saul tries to kill David. Despite David's faithfulness, despite David's um, humility, Saul tries to throw spears at him a number of times, tries to kill him by pinning him to the wall. He puts him out on the front line trying to get him killed in battle. He has servants ordered to try and go and kill David, but God is faithful through it all. And through the book of Samuel, through the book of Psalms, we see David's crying out to God through the journey, through the ups and through the downs. David cries out to him. I just want to read as well from Psalm 22. Maybe this one will resonate with some of you this morning even. Psalm 22 verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. That's how David felt, but it's not the reality. Yet you are holy. Again, we see this pivot. He says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. I love the Psalms. It just lifts me up and, and helps me see that David went through this and it reminds me to pivot again and say, God, but you are faithful. You are my God. You are the one who has rescued me. Church, when life gets you down, where do you turn? When life gets you down, in the waiting, in discouragement, in doubts, where do you turn? Maybe it feels like God's not answering. Maybe it feels like nothing's ever going to change. Maybe it feels like it's too late. What's the point? I just wonder if maybe Joseph ever felt like that. After Joseph's been, his brothers decide they're going to kill him and instead of killing him, they think, no, we'll, we'll just let his agony go on a bit longer. We'll sell him as a slave. And as a slave, he's falsely accused and thrown into prison. I wonder if that through his journey, he felt like, God, where are you? Has this ever going to come to pass, what you've said? I wonder if Job ever struggled with his grief. I'm pretty sure he did. I wonder if David ever struggled in the waiting, in discouragement. I'm pretty sure he did. Saul did. But church, the big question for us is how are we going to respond in the waiting? How are we going to respond in the waiting? 
Because to be honest, we, could, we can talk about our purpose in life. We can talk about our purpose in God, His calling for us. But if we don't decide, if we don't choose how we're going to respond in the waiting, in the discouragement, in the, the, the seasons of darkness, it's kind of pointless looking at our purpose. Because we've got to choose who is our God. Who are we serving? Do we come to worship God for the good feelings it gives us? We think, well, yeah, I'll, I'll worship God because it makes me feel good. Or do I come and worship him because he deserves it? Because he is my saviour, because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Who is lord of your life? How are we going to respond in those seasons we go through? Because if we look at our purpose and we get all excited about our purpose, but we haven't chosen how we're going to respond, in the end, it's pointless. We've got to decide in the waiting, how are we going to respond? Church, let's be people who cry out to him. Let's be people who cry out to him in the good times, in the, in the exciting times, in the awesome times. Let's cry out to him and, and give him thanks and praise and, and, and acknowledge that we don't deserve this. Let's thank him for his grace. As Sam has already talked about this morning, the, the grace of his love, of his gifts for us. We did not deserve it, but he gave it to us anyway. I've got a few scriptures I want to look at just really quickly this morning. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says this, Have you never heard, have you never understood, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Just pause on that. Just go back to that verse for a second. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. I think sometimes we have to acknowledge our powerlessness before he picks us up again. Sometimes we need to get to that point of knowing that we are weak so that he will make us strong again. So that when we don't become self-dependent, we don't come, become self-reliant and deceive ourselves into a lie but he gives strength to the weak. Verse 30, even youths will become weak and tired. I used to think it, this verse meant, if I trust in God, I'll never become weak and tired. But even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Maybe you need to declare that to yourself this morning, that those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. There is new strength coming for you if you're feeling tired and weak today. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Psalm 40, verse 1 to 5. I love this passage. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in, the, in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. 
we would never be able to list all the things that God has done for us each and every day. God is blessing us. God is providing for us. God is sustaining us. Even when we feel like he's turned his back on us, he's still there. He hasn't gone away. Our feelings don't change who he is. Romans 5. If you've missed everything else I've said this morning, tune in right now and hear this verse. Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, it says this. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Before we had ever thought of God, before we had ever cried out to him, while we were still his enemies, we have all turned our back on him. Jesus came to the world he created and he willingly gave his life as a sacrifice for your sin and for mine. God has showed us how much he loves you. God has showed us how much he cares about you and his love will not change. James chapter 1, got two last scriptures. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know, the trials we go through, they're refining, they're hard, they're they're testing, but God is wanting to grow us more and more into the image of Christ. Philippians 1 verse 6, last one. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Jesus is coming back for his church And he is never going to leave you. He is never going to forsake you. He is never going to turn away from you. He is never going to deny those who do not deny him. Let's cry out to him because he still loves you. He still loves you. Maybe you need to just say that to yourself quietly. He still loves me. Three really simple, three really simple, super practical things I just want to say before I finish this morning. Number one, cry out to him. Cry out to him in the good times. Cry out to him in the bad times. Cry out to him on the behalf of others when they don't feel like they can cry out for him. Number two, keep doing the simple things. Keep doing the simple things day by day. Don't let the simple things slip away. Because our life is defined by the simple things we do every day. Read your Bible. Open the Bible and let the Word of God speak to you. Even if you feel like you're not receiving anything from it, just let the words of God wash over you. I believe the Holy Spirit will bring things to mind. He will use those things in your life. Let it be an act of worship just to open your Bible and let Him speak to you. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, I really want to encourage you to get a copy of our CFC Bible reading plan. It's only five or ten verses most days. Just a simple 
moment of drawing aside with God and letting God's word speak to you. If you don't have half an hour, just stop and make five minutes to open the word of God. Just say, God, thank you for your word. Speak to me today, read it, think about it. Go on your way if you have to. Get a copy of that Bible reading plan just to help you day by day to to, to open up God's word and let it speak to you. Keep coming to church. Join a life group. When you meet up with friends, just say, hey, will you pray for me? Church, let's keep doing the simple things day by day. It's not about the big things. It's about the simple things we do every day. The third point, do something you enjoy. As I say that, I just want to clarify that's not sinful things. Do something that's good for you that you enjoy. If, if you feel like you're not enjoying life, if you're not enjoying anything right now, find something that you enjoy at 0.01%. If you enjoy something 0.001%, find that thing and do it. If you enjoy painting, if you enjoy having a cup of coffee with someone, if you enjoy going for a walk or going for a bike ride or whatever it is that you do to be refreshed, even if it's only 0.01% that it helps you, go and do that thing and give thanks to God for that thing as you do it. Enjoy life with God somehow each and every day. You know, one of my, my goals in life, I have the, the, my, I've written down goals in my life and one of them is to enjoy life with God every day. You know what, sometimes I don't do very well at that, but it's a goal. <laughs> I'm striving for it. Let's find something that we can do to celebrate life with God every day might be the most simple thing. I saw someone out in the front of church this morning just sniffing the flowers on the gum tree, and I thought, praise God for this moment. Bless you, that person, as you did that this morning. Do something you enjoy, because life is a gift from God. Let's not forget that. I'm going to ask the band to come, and we're going to pray, and we're going to finish up this morning. Psalm 34, I said I had no more verses, it's not on the screen, I'll just say it anyway. Psalm 34 says, Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy, and no shadow of shame will darken their faces. I just want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're feeling fantastic right now, maybe you're feeling overwhelmed, but I want to pray for you that we would just pour out our heart to God. Maybe you want to do that right now this morning. Maybe you want to find some space later today or later in the week. And I wonder when's the last time you got on your knees before God and had messy crying prayer time with God? Maybe you've never had messy crying prayer time with God. Maybe you need that. I just want to pray for you this morning. Can we stand together? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just want to pray, firstly, Lord, for those at home this morning, maybe those on their own, maybe, maybe they're in isolation, maybe they've got COVID, maybe they're just sick with some other thing or just feeling discouraged. Lord, I just pray for those people at home this morning who aren't able to be here together amongst your people, Lord. God, I just want to pray for your encouragement for each one of them this morning. Maybe they're feeling cut off, maybe they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling like it's just useless, there's no hope. God, I just pray that by Your Spirit, You would let there be that pivot moment 
Just like David, after he poured out his heart to God, there was a, that moment where, they, where he realised, but God, you are my strength. You are my hope. And God, I just pray that this morning would be that pivot moment. For people here in the room too, Lord, that are just feeling overwhelmed or, or exhausted, God, I just pray that you would help us, God, each and every day to cry out to you, to recognise that you are our source, you are our strength, you are our hope, you're our Saviour and our King and you still love us. God, we can't believe it at times, but you do. God, I just pray for courage. I pray for, for faith. I pray for joy to rise up in our hearts, even through the struggle, God, that we would rise up to declare your faithfulness. We would rise up and, and declare your goodness even through the struggle in our own lives and for the people around us, that they would see the hope we have in You. Thank You, Jesus, for Your faithfulness, that You never leave us and that You are with us always. We give You thanks and we praise You this morning in Jesus' Name. Amen. We're going to sing this song of worship. And this morning, if you would like someone just to stand with you and pray, I want to encourage you to come forward and we'd love to pray with you as we sing this song. And let's sing this song from our heart. Let it be a prayer this morning as we sing together now. Thanks, guys.